coffee business to me made so much sense because I love coffee. It's a part of the brand, but more importantly, I really, really think that this gaming space has a negative stigma around people that don't support the fuel industry. Um, but creators do not speak up about it because why go against the grain or, or you know try to row up up current? Hello and welcome to the Bears and Lions podcast where we challenge our present by viewing our past. I'm a firm believer that our greatest future lies within the correct view of our past because when you actually look at it, you're going to find out that you're smarter and even stronger than you could have possibly imagined. Despite all the things that you have come from, you have overcome so much more and it gives you the confidence to step into your present. And that gives you the ability to step into the unknown and the future. In today's episode, I talked to Javier Calazzo, who's known on the internet as Monster D-Face. He was a Fortnite World Cup and FNCS caster. And he also is the CEO of a couple companies, which we talk about Cafe Calazzo, as well as Practice Server. This is an incredible conversation. We talk about graffiti. We talk about being a young teenager and 20-something. Uh, we also talk about coffee a lot, which is really exciting. There's so much in this conversation, and I really hope you enjoy. So without further ado, Javier Calazzo. So Monster D-Face, in the process of creating that, at what point was there a switch at what point was there like okay i'm now javier well like yeah so i mean obviously the the name comes from a graffiti past right deface for defacing property and kind of graffiti and stuff like that so that was just a completely different time in my life i was a tumultuous teenager if you will right going through <laughs> my my rounds in my life and it was amazing I, I love art love graffiti i really embraced that identity um but as I started getting into gaming and growing out of just being a content creator, that's really where I realized, um, yeah, you know, I, I'm showing up to meetings and I can't introduce myself as monster. Like, you know, you have to at some point or another, put your ego aside because that's really what your, um, kind of brand and alias is, right? It's your ego personified when you are on camera. That's how you are the showsman that you are. And you are the entertainer that you are. It's really all it is. Um, and the best, the best of the best are those that are able to again personify that ego in a way that doesn't detach too far away from who they are on a day to day basis. So their authentic self, right? Um, a good example is that I've I've always been who I am. Very very much chill, kind of in my own lane. Um, the difference between when I'm live on camera. And when I'm like not on camera, it's just a level of which I project. So I'm actually in a, in private settings. I do not talk loud. I have actually a very weak voice. I don't know how I'm a professional commentator. Um, my <laughs> voice burns out very fast. Um, so yeah, you know, it's kind of one of those fun things. So yeah, the transition came when, when I started getting into for more, taking my professional commentary more seriously, but more importantly, my businesses. When I started building business on the back end with practice server, you know, uh, movement digital, other investments I've made in, I was just like becoming just myself as a person, um, and, and moving away from being the content creator and the brand that I built as a content creator, which also went through a number of evolutions. Um, so <laughs> big, big shout outs to, uh, my guy, Jordan Fisher, because it was actually, uh, he who kind of inspired me when I was like, dude, 
this guy's in the gaming space, but he's just Jordan Fisher. Like he's a celebrity, but his he doesn't have a gaming tag or anything. Like he's just Jordan Fisher. I was like, how dope would it be to just be Javier Colazo? Like that'd be kind of sick. And that's when it kind of started. So it did start around 2019, I guess I could pinpoint um, the timeline because of the World Cup. Obviously, is when um, he and I touched touch base. That's awesome, and and I don't I don't know a single soul on this planet that doesn't love Jordan Fisher. So <laughs> I I have yet to find somebody who's like overly critical, because um, the the dude is just entertaining yeah. all over his streams, his professional life. I mean, he is probably one of the most talented humans I've ever seen, just in everything that he can pick up and do, and it's just awesome. So that's really cool. That's really a, a unique. Uh, switch too because you are involved in so many business sides and that's something that I'm really excited because I went through an evolution in transitioning out of content creation as well into podcasting and into like this is where I feel like my niche is of, of where I am best at being able to have one-on-one -on -one conversations or one-to-many conversations about important things in life how we develop how we go through those and how to take on some of those transitions uh, with a, I call it a ferocity and a joy. I love ferocity and just the stance of being able to be intentional and being aggressive with it. You know, not something where it's like, oh, if it happens, it happens. Um, and then joy, I think there's, there's not a, a more powerful um, aspect in life than joy. And people can do incredible, incredible things when they're doing it joyfully. Um, and people like to have fun at work. Like people like to enjoy work. And that was one of the things that I always enjoyed about practice server was every time I, what, you know, joined a call before, uh, you know, with pre stuff and the producers, I had so much fun. Like it was such a fun environment. I didn't feel out of place. I felt like everybody wanted, um, everybody to succeed it wasn't like oh it's you it's it's me it's you know the, it was just a incredible um environment talk to me about cultivating that like like where did that idea first begin where you're like you know what this is something that could actually work i'll give the background history to what practice server is first so you know for those folks tuning in um you know you're not just like trying to piece it together so Practice Server is my company, one of one of my companies. We built probably one of the first online ecosystems um, based around cloud software to produce events remotely. And the idea behind it was I was already a professional commentator and I was recognizing in different spaces that I was starting to become dependent on like the next gig. Like Oh man, is this is this thing gonna? Am I gonna get the call for that? And you know, uh, as a creator, a lot of creators start to get this fear of missing out. An event gets announced, they start pushing out talent rosters, and you start thinking to yourself like, "Oh man, I didn't get that call. Like, dude, what am I doing wrong? Like, or do I have to work harder? Like, who do I have to know? Like, so it, it really becomes um, increasingly stressful, especially as you start working your way up the top, because now you have to um, enter into a competition against yourself. How do you? beat that next that last best thing you did you never really get to live in celebration of your accolades because you are always too busy chasing the next thing with all these things in mind um i entered into gaming in this online world with all the intent to um 
create because I really have fun creating. And I enjoy the process of trying to figure out the strategy to be successful in this space because it very much is a, like a big strategy game. It really is because you have to position yourself in the right spaces. You have to do the things that are going to help you get from you know step one to step two and then hopefully not stumble along the way where you take those two or three steps backwards and have to claw your way back up right the totem pole so there's a lot that goes on in in this gaming space and um as i transition out of like putting behind all of my day in and day out live streaming <clears throat> excuse me and youtube content um i found myself doing professional commentary and i was losing my viewership because i'm i'm doing you know i'm chasing this this bag in the professional commentary world but you're only as good as the next time they hire you so i started thinking to myself well if they could pay me this much money to cast, well, who the heck's getting the check to hire all these people? I need to be that guy. Like, cause I can't sit around and wait for an event to come to me. I need to start building events straight up. So that was the start of Practice Server's idea. How do I build an event? What do I need to build an event? I'm already a very, very important and critical part of this puzzle because an event cannot go live if you do not have a caster or two or three of them and they have to be good and i knew by that point i was already good at what i did in the casting sense so because that was a critical part of the formula i pieced together the other what i saw to be other four critical parts that i needed together and i started the practice server um the idea was I could build events remotely, which are cost effective because, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, when the gameplay is full screen on the screen, they're not, they don't know if I'm in an arena or if I'm in a room. And that to me was fascinating because I was realizing I will get the same viewership on this clip because it's my voice and I did the right call at the right moment, not because it's my voice in an arena doing that same call in that same moment because we're not celebrating me or the crowd. We're celebrating the player in the play on the screen. And, and that made it very transparent and immediate to me that this business can succeed regardless of anyone's um, opinion of it today because when the clip is consumed, it's consumed in full screen and it's just gameplay. And, and I knew right then and there that I, I could build a business that was cost effective. Um, that was before the pandemic. So imagine that I put in the work, the equity, and the um, the studying to build this infrastructure that can produce an online event before other companies did it, before the big companies that are hosting these lands knew how to do it. The pandemic amplified our success because now we became the consultants and the professionals who knew how to do it best, especially at the start. Um, so we began with a running start and we were able to pick up a lot of shows and consult for some of the biggest companies and charge them a lot of money to teach them how to do what we were doing. Um, and through that hard work the relationships, you know, continued right into the years that we are today and, you know, remote production and online events, they're here to stay. And practice server again was just one of the innovators in that space and and that's kind of the backstory if you really think about where my mindset was and 
how I viewed that like moment and that the the way that comp content is really consumed is what led me to decide like, dude, I could build this business in this space. I know it could be successful and it could cost way less, but we could be as impactful as any of the big shows. So that's how I built the practice. That's incredible. I, what I love about that too is there was a, a premise prior to the pandemic, right? Being able to not foresee a pandemic, but foresee a need, <laughs> yeah. right? Being being able to say, this is something that will succeed. This is something that well, is um, here, Here's a fun fact too. I started the business, there was five founders and like no more than like two or three weeks in, two of them dropped out. And then following like a month or two later, the third dropped out. And it became just myself and another person who were kind of spearheading the vision. Um, so it is kind of crazy how like how like <laughs> how much I believed in it that even when like all of my pieces were kind of falling around me, I'm like, no, dude, like this, this can work. Like I'm telling you, like just, it, it's common sense. Like just put the work in with me. Like we could do this because you need that though. You need it because when you're building anything in particular. Um, there's always going to be critics. There's always going to be people, you know, close people, partners that are going to say, you know what, maybe this isn't the right direction. People who drop out of your life, uh, whether it's in friend groups or school or work, you're going to have people who leave. And to be able to have that belief, not just in yourself, but in the, in the product that you are bringing, right? Everything is about bringing value. And when you bring value to a situation, it just, it it opens up doors. So that's, that's really awesome. Now, fast forward to uh, where you are today. What's a, just a day in the life look like for you now? Because you are a CEO of multiple businesses. <laughs> um, you, you've got entities in, you said movement digital as well, which we both know, uh, Nikki Barnes, uh, an incredible, uh, incredible leader, incredible friend, and an incredible person. But Talk to me about just a, a day in the life of, of Javier Colasso. Yeah, I mean, I, there's all the times that... I, so one thing about me, I actually really dislike social media. I just... I don't know how I became like somewhat um, popular uh, because I just I just hate the whole rat race, if you want to call it that, of like chasing impressions to try to grow and, you know, putting your business out there um, because I, I, I very much like to live a very humble and like chill life. Um, but if I were to tweet my any like my calendar of the last go back, basically since I launched Practice Server, like three years, you will see there is rarely a day without line items, like literally filling it. And I celebrate the Saturdays or Sundays that I get with no meetings on it. Um, but obviously that came later into the years. So a day in my life, even right now at a bare minimal consists of an 8 a.m. meeting with my um, partner and other founder of Cafe Coyaso. We spend anywhere from an hour to two executing on the aggressive timelines we put in front of ourselves with, you know, all the, all the operating um, needs, but also the social deliverables and just execution, right. To, to make that business a success as a startup. Um, so there's, Tons of work that goes into that. Following a 10 a.m. mandatory recording for scripts, content, and deliverables needed to hand over to a full back-end suite team that I 
have on a, a contracted salary essentially to make sure I'm outputting YouTube content or whatever other content needs that I need fulfilled for my other social and company handles. Um, that leads into usually like anywhere from 11 to 12 a.m. I'm trying to fit in meetings, whether it's um, upkeeping business relationships or, you know, securing like whatever deals that I'm working on or hiring or invoicing. Like there's so much that goes into just maintaining um, the minimals for the business. Around one to two o'clock, I know my wife has to pick up my child from school. She's a high school student. She cannot drive by herself or anything like that. So she has to get picked up. So I have to now watch our baby, right? So that's my blackout hour, two hours. I got to spend with the baby. Um, as soon as she gets back, that's like almost three to three oh five on the dot. I probably have a meeting lined up or podcast scheduled. Um, I currently run two podcasts. So every Tuesday and Sunday, I film those episodes and I still have to edit and distribute them. Um, and then again, uh, I have now my practice server weekly meetings um, that happen twice a week as well, anywhere from 5 to 6 p.m. So you can see how like structured the timeline is and how much like blackout hours there are and just like, I have to do these things or my businesses will not progress and or fail. Minimal, right? Um, and then there's the responsibility of being an adult and having a child and children and a wife, right? All of which need attention. And I don't think you heard me within any of that say I had a time to either eat breakfast, make another cup <laughs> of coffee or go for lunch, right? Um, that is where having a, a wonderful wife and, and support system here at home and a family that understands how demanding work as someone who owns businesses comes into play. So there's a lot of things that I think that work well for me that allow me to do even what I do, because without that additional support, I mean, I'd be a, a skeleton and bones up in here trying to, you know, work through the hours. Um, and, and yeah, that, that doesn't include when I have shows and, you know, all the gigs and just things like that. That's like, those are like my bare minimals like i gotta hit these things and i know exactly kind of those windows that they're gonna come up so yeah it's it's a full-time job in a lot of different respects um because they're all require full-time attention to be successful i've tried well two flavors but i have the vanilla bliss mm, right now yeah and i i'm impressed i'm impressed because i'm not a coffee drinker at all i actually do not like coffee um it, it's just something about it um messes with my stomach but i've had a couple cups of of the the different cafe uh colazo coffees what was your what was the idea like <laughs> like where did that come from in creating a brand of because there's such a big you know energy based mm -hmm. you need energy in the in the gaming world you know you've got every type of red bull monster ghost everything um what was your idea in just like you know what let's let's go basic there's there's a lot that goes into the reason you know cafe colazo as a brand has been able to have a successful launch um a lot of that goes into my history right i have around over a decade now i'm approaching 11 years in the industry uh maybe 12 if i really count hard enough um, but I have a lot of years in this space, um, the bulk of which was spent as a creator, right? I became a career creator to, about a year into it. 
And I always started my days with a lot of black coffee with sugar in it. Um, so I was that young, caffeinated, sitting at the desk, just hyped up streamer. Like I brought a lot of energy to the table. Um, I really, really lived in a moment and really appreciated um, my journey, you know, out of out of New York City, out of the Bronx, and and into you know my own uh, levels of success. So. Coffee was a mainstay, a staple of the brand. It was a necessity in order to, you know, do the 12 to 14 hour streams I was doing, period, like period. Um, there were no days off. There are no days off if you are a content creator or entrepreneur. Um, so every day it was multiple three to four to five cups of coffee. Um, very much a highly caffeinated, highly energetic content creator. Like that, that's what it was. Eventually. As I got a little older, changed my content style from being so, um, you know, uh, uh, rough around the edges, if you want to call it that. Uh, and I got more into like, how do I become a forward facing creator brands want to work with, sponsors want to work with? I started making lifestyle adjustments, drinking much less caffeine, removing the sugar, you know, just getting, stop drinking Red Bulls because I was doing all of the above and then some. Um, that, that turned into me kind of building a brand around, well, I love coffee, so I'm going to drink it because I love it. And I started drinking decaf and I got away from caffeine, but I always loved the taste of coffee. So I actually enjoy coffee from an enjoyment perspective. And I did this thing called the mug of the day with my YouTube channel. And it was a huge W like people loved it. Um, cause I'd come out, I'd pull out all these fun anime mugs or you know different inspired like created mugs i mean right here i have one um i'll show it to the camera really quickly probably not going to catch focus oh it does nice it says mdf on it with a barcode so that was the mdf ink mug whenever we're in the office i had this one on the table it was like a part of a skit where i was the boss ceo we're at the mdf ink uh if you subscribe you just got hired basically to the to the fan base you know what i mean like it, it, we had some fun stuff throughout the years and it, it kind of stuck with the brand. It's like a, I would always use a coffee emoji when I responded to people. So I kind of built the brand around coffee. Um, moving into my later years, uh, obviously beyond the production business, I started looking at, okay, practice server as a business is a service-based business, but I do not sell a tangible product. Like how do I, where do I start? What do I want to do? And the first thing I thought of was like, well, first of all, this space sucks with like, all the garbage G fuel and glitch energy. And I don't know, I can name a hundred of them, but they're, they're ass. Like they're terrible. Like this is, this is bad stuff. I'm fairly certain there's some carcinogens up in there and studies are going to show and prove over time that this right here is very, very unhealthy for you. And I knew that immediately. And one of the running memes on my um, channel, like kind of, you know, growing up through the years was, Yo, if you ever see me promoting a fuel product, you know, I'm down bad boys and I need I need a I need that cash today if you see me promoting this to y'all. And it was really it was really a meme in the in the channel, but I was dead serious too. I was like, I won't say I won't ever do it cuz if I'm down and I need money, we got to do what we got to do. And that was one of the lowest lows I would ever stoop to is actually promoting a fuel product to to youth. Um so yeah, the coffee business to me made so much sense because I love coffee. It's a part of the brand, but more importantly, I really, really think that this gaming space has a negative stigma around people that don't support the fuel industry. 
Um, but creators do not speak up about it because why go against the grain or, or you know, try to row up, up current? Um, but that's what we're doing when I launched the brand because our first slogan is this no powder here, just beans. And we're a whole bean coffee distributor now. And yeah, we, we source some of the, the best coffee around the world. Don't put any artificial flavors or anything crazy like that. This is just purely highly graded roasted coffee imported from some of the you know most ethical farms around the world and uh yeah delivered on 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 demand on order we roast we roast it right then and there and, and we send it to your door when you place the order i can 100 percent tell you um so i i, I freshly ground because it comes as the whole mm -hmm. coffee bean i freshly ground this um i don't have like a grinder or anything i use a mortar and pesto and you can it, do that it, you like, could use a blender as yeah. Yeah, as I was grinding it though, it filled the like the whole kitchen area with that fresh aroma. Like it really did still have that. Hey, we just roasted this, and you could get that whole aroma. And then pouring it, you could just it it fills the whole area with aroma, um, which I do like the coffee smell. <laughs> so like I'm not like a huge coffee drinker, and it's mostly because like I had, had health issues and acid reflux and stuff like that. So like certain acidic drinks and coffee is a very acidic drink um it, it it'll mess with me especially if i drink it later in the day early in the day mm -hmm. it's not too bad um but i just really love tea because that's what i've trained myself yep. for um so if you if you start if you start distributing tea <laughs> <laughs> let me know but even even this it, it's it's got really light notes uh like the vanilla bliss that i have it's got really light notes of vanilla where it's not like a you know, a French vanilla artificial, like overpowering or anything. It's just very light. So I, again, I'm kind of a nerd about the coffee stuff now as I've slowly <laughs> began to um, increase my expertise and my knowledge in the space. Those, those beans or like the coffee that you taste that can say like, this tastes like almond. A lot of the times because they take the bean and they coat it. That That's like where the artificial flavoring comes in. Cause yeah, the, the bean as itself is natural and it's roasted in a way to, you know, obviously um, produce the caffeine so you can extract it with hot water, essentially. Uh, but when you get those, like, this is cherry, it's because they, they coat the thing with that. Um, whereas, you know, our experts roast the bean, we import the type of bean. It already has its kind of own natural profile, but, you know, the, the, flaving, or the flavor test taste kind of comes out of the way you, um, the, the, Again, how long in which you actually roast the bean. So another fun fact for those of you guys listening out there, if you're into a dark roast, dark roast is actually uh, less caffeinated because there's less concentrated caffeination in a dark bean than there is in a light roast. And it's, it's an actual common misconception. Um, although light roast tastes a little less like coffee and closer to like, you know, the, the water that you're uh, processing it through and the other um, additives, the sugar or creamer or whatever you're adding to it, it's actually much more highly caffeinated than a dark roast coffee, which tastes more like the coffee bean itself, um, which a lot of people don't really know that. And there's a misconception because people will say, oh, no, I'm into dark roast and dark coffee because I like it, you know, strong. And I'm really like, well, it's not stronger. If you actually taste the one that, drink the one that tastes less like coffee, <laughs> that thing is a lot stronger for you if you want the caffeine hit. So Vanilla Bliss has a lot of caffeine in it is what I'm trying to say. It's a light roast. It's uh, a little, again, lightly, lighter flavor notes as, as far as the coffee's concerned. That's probably why you like it because you're closer to tea, um, mm -hmm. which, again, it's 
it's going to reflect that, but it's going to have more caffeine than maybe one of our other roasts would have. I'm, I'm okay with caffeine. I, I don't do any caffeine anymore after a, like noon or, or maybe 2 p.m., depending on, on what I have in the, the afternoons. I, I went through this whole like discipline journey where I started waking up at four in the 4.45 in the morning, 5 in the morning, and I, I like... I just needed to change and see what happened. So I followed a bunch of protocols from like Andrew Huberman and a few other people. Um, Matt Walker is an incredible sleep specialist. So I started sleeping better and I immediately saw a change. Like I've lost uh, 10 pounds since I did that. I'm in the gym consistently without feeling like I'm sore from the days mm, before yep. because my rest and recovery is so much better. So I do love caffeine. I just don't drink it after a certain amount of time to allow my body to process it. When I was, um, so I did a vegan like kick for like almost ooh. a year. Uh, during that time, I was also doing the four or 5 a.m. wake ups. Um, no caffeine, just savaging it out. I, at that time, I was going live on Twitch though. So it's a little different. I get the natural adrenaline boost of my body's like, all right, time to turn it on. Got to be an entertainer, right? And And- but but I say that to say that that was some of the most like uh, mental clarity I've ever experienced as far as not being caffeine dependent, um, and that was coming off of you know literally abusing caffeine to some degree, right? Um, I started drinking caffeine again when I had my baby, so about a year ago. It's like yeah, I'm back on it. So now I've invested like fully into the caffeine kind of sphere again. Um, these espresso shots are wonderful in the morning, <laughs> yeah, in the caffeine and, and the type of coffee the way at least I'm roasting it and processing it here at home. But um, yeah, I'm totally with you as far as I know exactly what it feels like when you're on a, a super clean eating, restricting, just what you're intaking and being super conscious of your sleep and, and stuff like that. It can make a world of difference. Yeah. I, and, and what I've noticed is it's now a normal and that was the goal. I, I didn't really care about working out for like, Oh, I want to look buff or anything like that. Like I just needed discipline. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I mentioned prior, uh, that 2021 and 2022 really messed with my brain. And I had to get out of that mentality um, between the depression and just the complete dependency on like alcohol and gaming. And it, it was just not a healthy place. And now I can go out, I can have fun, I can drink alcohol, you know, I'm not overdoing it, I have like a respect for it. And the next day I can still wake up and and my normal schedule is still going to take place. So uh, that's a really, I think it's a good thing. I think everybody should. If you are dependent on something, just ask yourself, is this hurting or helping my future? Um, and, and in most cases, especially when it's a, a product of some sort, it's usually hurting it. More, more importantly, some people don't know how to recognize that, right? And the easy telltale sign is, like you said, with alcohol. It's very easy to abuse alcohol. If you're at that third drink and you're telling yourself, I shouldn't do this, I'm going to wake up hungover, or yo, this is going to take me way over the, the ledge, don't drink it. Like it, It's at that moment, if you still give in to your um, and, you know, uh, needs or want, right, at that point, you're abusing alcohol, right, and you're abusing your body, and you know you're going to wake up feeling sick, etc. Um, when I was... When I got to the point to where I could like say no at that point, <clears throat> I knew I had more control, and uh, it feels actually pretty empowering to know that like, dude, I'm gonna I could drink one drink, two drinks, uh, catch a buzz or whatever, <clears throat> and coast right there and just chill. Um, so yeah, I think I think that is a, a level of 
maturity, but also like yeah, being in control of uh you know yourself and and your uh yeah your your respons- being responsible in that moment. Yeah, it it, it it's it, you if you say yes to it, you know. Oh, I I should I have another drink? No, probably not. But you say yes, you subconsciously train your body that it's okay to do that, and then it bleeds into other areas of your life too, where it's like you may be going through something at work with a boss or, you know, something at school where it's like, I shouldn't do this, but you've trained yourself subconsciously to say, yes, it's okay to do it. So you start doing those things, which is, is fascinating. I I do want to jump. I I was going to say, I do just want to jump back to like Javier as a child. What were some of the things that you wanted to do? I mean, we've talked about the present. We've talked about some of the stuff that you're working on, but this this all happened in the last, like you said, 11, 12 years of your life. What were some of the things that you grew up wanting to do? Um, and how did that impact your your pursuit? Yeah, I lived a very fast life during my teenage years. Um, you know, growing up in the Bronx, New York City, uh, we were a very scrappy household. Uh, household filled with love, but we didn't have much more than that. You know, um, and I found myself out in the streets, you know, doing whatever the heck I could do to either make ends meet or um, just a regular day in life did not consist of me sitting at home. Right. So with with all that in mind, by the time I was 17, I was already living with a girlfriend that I was dating. So I, I didn't I moved out of my house very, very young. Um, by the time I was 18 and finishing high school. I was already kind of gaming the school system in New York City. Um, in high school, I recognized really early, like it's probably my sophomore year, that the first and second grading periods held no value or weight towards whether or not I actually earned the credit for that grading period to allow me to advance to the next class in the tier. So I began skipping school for the first 60 days and then attending school vigorously and doing all of the course material for the last 30 days to pass that leg to get the credit. Think about that. I spent two months cutting school, lying to my parents, waking up at 6 a.m. so they thought I was taking the bus or train to school to not attend school at all. So instead, live my life as a young teenager with no money just hours on end walking through New York City and Manhattan and doing God knows what every day for months on end all year long, hiding my report cards. And just, I was a terrific liar to my parents. I was too good at that um, until I eventually got caught and got very intense ass whippings. But it all, it all, very much shaped me to who I be, who I am today. So, yeah, you know that that was that. Those were my teenage years. What did I want to do? What did I, you know, uh, hope to aspire to be or become? Um, at that moment, I, all I was fixated on was graffiti and doing it well and being the best at it. I had a yeah massive fixation with the art world. I loved it. And the culture and the the grime in New York City that comes with it it was it was very very fun. But I never let myself fail out of school. 
because you know I would hit that switch when it when it became time to be responsible to earn my credits. So I graduated on time like everyone else. And it was at 18, I already had my game plan. Like when I turned 18, I'm an adult now. I can't get arrested. You know, this becomes permanent. So I really, really got to enjoy years 15, 16, 17 up until that 18th birthday. So the 18th birthday, senior year of high school, I stopped literally stealing and doing all the crazy stuff around the streets and just graduated and signed up for college. And then I went to go be a A plus student in college in criminal justice, the irony. And I have an associate's degree because I was just going to pursue policing in uh, the military at that point. So yeah, very, very much fit. Um, was super familiar with like our, um, what's it called ROTC. Um, you know, just all those programs and stuff that help enable you to uh, enroll in the military early and, and have an advantage. I was taking all of those courses um, in the in the, basically my 18th leg year uh, because I was like, all right, I got to stop being a, a goon and like go be responsible. Um, yeah, it was. I had I had very 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 interesting childhood and the way I my perspective on life was uh, very unique. I think to my age and yeah, amongst my family, I was definitely the leader. I'm the oldest of my siblings. So yeah, I just, you know, guess I wore the responsibility of a lot uh, throughout those years. But yeah, very independent, very self-sufficient, super early on. What's something that you're proud of that you accomplished maybe in those early years? Uh, You say you still graduated Mm -hmm. high school, um, you know, still went to, to college. What what's something that maybe you look back on and you're just proud of? Like, wow, I I did this. I have I have a lot that I was really really proud of uh, because although I did like I'll, I'll I could name one for like all the categories. Like graffiti is a great example. Um, I achieved something that again a lot of graffiti artists um, strive to achieve is the title of going all city. That's basically saying that. <laughs> I was able to tag up every single borough and just about every single neighborhood possible that I was not globally recognized, but I was infamously recognized amongst the art culture in the uh, in that space. And to this date, I have pieces that have been running for over 15 years because my mindset was so unique. Even then, when I looked at a wall in a spot, I tried to. Um, right on essentially very hard to get to locations places that i thought wouldn't get cleaned up that would just kind of live in the in the you know the grime of that neighborhood for forever um and they're called forever spots for a reason you know so when i looked at the one i was like dude that because i think graffiti artists do they write the year they tag that wall so if i looked at a wall and i was like that tag says 1998 next to it that's got another 10 years on it like i need to get on this wall Maybe not the street level, because that'll get clean. I need to find out how to get on top of this, you know, t- air conditioning unit that's sticking out the side of the building. How can I get up there? Do I need a ladder? Do I got to jump down from the roof down? Right? Like, thinking so wildly different like that, even with the graffiti, so that I can have a long-lasting impact in the graffiti world was also a part of my accomplishments. So very happy about those. Um, and then in the more educational sense, one of the first, you know, to attend college for 
on behalf of my family. That that was a very proud moment, um, the moment of acceptance, but also finding that I was able to be successful in that space was a big um, win for me. I felt I felt really good about that. And, you know, crazy fact, I only just claimed my diploma, like, like just claimed my diploma because I had to file for a work visa to go to Copenhagen to do a European show. And I graduated college and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't show up for prom in high school. I didn't show up to pick up my, I didn't care about them telling me congrats. It meant that paper meant literally nothing to me. I didn't pick it up. Same thing for college. You would think. I'm going to walk down and yo, look at me. I'm going to post on Instagram. My cap and got, I didn't literally did not care. I got my credits, hit my prerequisite. And I didn't attend the ceremonies to, to claim the reward, if you will, because the reward was never that to me. The reward was completing that and internally saying, hell yeah, I did that. What's next? So crazy. I, I could literally open that drawer right there and show you it. I just got my diploma like 10 years later. That's, well, I, you have it. Yeah, you have, have it. it dude. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it, 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 I think the that tells a story about who you are as a person, though, in the fact that you can set out to do something not with a uh, tangible victory or a tangible reward. So many people they want something for it, and I think in our culture nowadays, our society. It's what have you done for me lately or what do I get out of you in relationships? It's what do you bring to the table or what do I get from you instead of I'm just going to do this and being able to do something like that. You have a track record, which is incredible because now you actually have like this <laughs> beautiful story yeah. of, of if somebody ever needed to ask you, you know, what's a track record of things that, you know, you've done? Well, <laughs> I can do something really difficult with no determination of whether or not I get a piece of paper or I get a reward or I get a uh, satisfaction of somebody saying like, Hey, good job. So like you just that did carries it. into my professional world pretty, pretty heavily. Um, you could, it, it, I call it dangling the carrot. Uh, when a client is like, Oh, well, come on. You sure. You don't want this much money to do this thing. And I'm like, no, I, I, I'm, I'm not interested in that thing. Right. Uh, or you're asking for way too much work than what it's worth for me at this moment. Um, anything that adds stressors to my plate, stressors that I don't enjoy, there's a lot of stressors I do enjoy, um, stressors that I don't enjoy, I am hard stance on like no's, no means no. Um, but if you want to do it still, it's going to cost you way more than it's probably worth for you now. Or you have to do it my way. This is a campaign that I do think will work well because I will enjoy doing it. Thus, the product should be pretty good, right? Like that, that's, that should be the, the workflow. So this is something that I carry uh, with me regularly in the, in the professional side. And some of my team may not understand that either because, um, you know, to some in the esports space, everything is like a yes you got you to say yes to every opportunity and you got you to do the work and, and get it done. But I have been fortunate enough to be very selective with some of our programs and activations. But in return, look at the brand we've built, look at the reputation we have, look at the accolades and the types of products we are able to stand alongside 
a lot of that does have to do with taking sometimes an L in the shortcoming, but having the long-term, you know, brand and product and victory in mind. Um, so yeah, it is, it is very interesting. I think I'm lucky enough to, I don't know what caused the, the trait, right. To be one of my personality traits, but, uh, yeah, it works, it works well in the professional side. That That's awesome. And now and you're talking about traits, which segues perfectly into my next question, because I think as we look at characteristics of ourselves, you know, if somebody wants to be um, disciplined, then they've got to practice discipline. If somebody wants to be patient, then they have to practice patience and build it. If if you could fast forward 10 years from now and describe yourself and what characteristics you carry, um, maybe some tangible things as well, you know, maybe some tangible goals. But what are some of the things that you're doing today to build that reality of you in the future? Yeah, for me, I mean, I'm I'm very proactive right now on my financial health. Um, I've just found myself with, again, in a very fortunate position that, you know, I need to start taking investments a little more seriously, start looking at what does a retirement fund look like, life insurance, right? Like I have kids and all these, all these different things now that weren't a factor, um, you know, a couple years ago. Uh, so life is coming at me very fast in a lot of those regards. And um, yeah, there's something that looking to the future that I hope I've from now to then already accomplished is setting myself up to be financially successful for the long term um, in the ways that I should do it today while I have maybe a little extra liquid cash to invest here or there. You know, you look at a lot of the celebrity stories, they're like, Dude, how'd you go broke? You were this at, during this year. Well, a lot of the times they didn't have themselves educated on financial, you know, uh, wealth and the health of their situation. That's I, I think you hit the nail on the head, too, because you have to understand your determination of like, hey, if if you have a little bit extra, it's easy to spend a little bit extra. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of people go awry is they get accustomed to living at a certain means and then they have like, you know, a job change or they have a, uh, you know, they win the lottery or whatever. And you, you just the statistics are people tend to revert back and, and they don't actually do anything to continue it they just spend it all and go back to their oh i'm my, living on sixty thousand, you know or or living on a my wife amount. laughs at me because um <laughs> most of my wardrobe is like free clothes because again i'm lucky enough to be in a position as an influencer like i'll get a package from exit or that one time ninja did a collab and he sent me sneakers from adidas you know to like show it off or whatever uh but like yeah i just don't anymore right spend on like those things like I don't care if I'm in designer clothes, but like there's people that absolutely do. And sure, whatever, fashion's your thing. It makes you feel good. Like that's that. But I'm I'm lucky enough to not have expensive hobbies. Um, my most expensive hobbies used to be me spending money in all the mobile games and I cut those out of my life. And nowadays it's like buying this dope Elgato prompter and whatever other technology stuff, right? Um, or investing in my businesses. So at least where I spend... It is very much in this world that I live in um, because I enjoy this world that I live in. So 
yeah i'm lucky enough to at least spend on the stuff that helps me build better in the career sense because it could have easily gone a different direction oh it, it i i'm similar in that where it's like it, it is i could easily spend a lot of money but i'm, <laughs> I'm learning more and more it's like okay you shout out elgato that's what's lighting me and and you know mm -hmm. I, I i made some purchases that were more expensive but they've paid in dividends over and over and over in in my future um so i mean i 100 percent agree and everybody you know if you're into fashion be into fashion that's okay if that's your niche now i like electronics and things that i can use yeah. for recording or program software that allows me to do uh, my job easier. The same fashion experts look at you. You bought a $400 mic, you idiot. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. why? Right? Like, <laughs> and I'm like, How much yeah. were your shoes? <laughs> 600? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it goes, it's a two-way street for sure. It really is. So we've kind of looked backwards. We've looked a little bit forwards. So we've looked a little bit at your present and where you are right now. If you were just able to take a, time machine back to you at 17 you at 16 when you're enjoying walking the streets of new york what advice would you give your younger self if you went back with you as today going back there and just running into him on the street i mean i don't think there is much advice i could give myself mostly because i would hate to you know push myself off this course that i've landed my two feet on today so i wouldn't i wouldn't change too much but i will say a lot of the um, lessons that I learned from there to my early years, especially even on the gaming platform side, um, are, are ones that I would, I would enjoy to share with you all that are listening. Um, and, and one of those just being that when you are passionate about something, it's pretty cliche for people to say to go and chase your dreams, but it, that, that isn't really enough. I think more people need to uh, do their due diligence and study and learn how to be impactful with your time. So if there was something I would reinforce about myself at that time, it would be to continue to stay conscious of my impact that I can make in whatever thing or goal that I'm pursuing and work with um, work in accordance to be impactful and conscious of even, you know, again, what I'm doing. Right, so that we're not being wasteful on either resources or um, time spent in any given field. So, yeah, it, it, like I said before, or just a little bit ago, I was lucky enough to have certain traits that I've, you know, become grown to become a big fan of as I've like kind of looked back, not realizing then and there, like I was, you know, operating off of instinct and and growth in in the moment. But yeah, looking back on it, those are the things that I think have allowed me to be successful today is working with purpose and with uh yeah impact in mind. I, I like the purpose side of things because i think a lot of people will say i work harder right and like chase your dreams um but a lot of times that doesn't have a direction so they just spread themselves so thin thinking work, working harder is streaming for more hours working <laughs> smarter is how about you don't stream those extra four hours and go make five YouTube videos, right? Like there, there are ways to be impactful and be very, you know, conscious and effective with your time. So th those are the lessons that I would absolutely make sure that I'm, I'm walking away with uh, during those years because those are wonderful years and you have so much energy and youth and, 
you know what I mean? You're in the moment. You, dude, if you operate like that, you're gonna you're gonna excel undoubtedly. Absolutely. So that brings us to our our final countdown, and and this is where I go through just ten quick questions off the top of your head answers. Uh, nothing too crazy, you know. We, we've got a, a couple specific specific questions that I added in here. Uh, so if you're ready, we can go ahead and see if you will uh, be able to pass the final countdown. Okay, let's go. All right, the final countdown with the sixty seconds or less. Let's get it. What is your favorite genre of movie? Um, I'm all about crime and New York City based films. I love it. Tacos or burritos? Burritos for sure. I like it. What would be a go-to karaoke song? Um, if I had to sing one, Eden Project Drowning, because I know all the words. There you go. Favorite TV show? Game of Thrones is like up there, and I read all the books. I'm a nerd. <laughs> I like it. That's uh, it's such a good movie, or such a good show. Uh, what celebrity would you love to have coffee with? Al Pacino. He's my favorite actor. Name an underrated yet entertaining streamer streamer underrated entertaining that's a really tough one but if i'm gonna pick i'm gonna go with someone in the not the fortnite category but the dark and darker character uh category i'm a big fan of someone called firebox on youtube right now all right you heard it here breakfast lunch or dinner i'm breakfast man if your life had a theme song what would it be i actually walk around thinking about this all the time when i was younger i would listen to like a lot of the 50 cent songs like patiently waiting and i also know all the words to that so if i was going to do karaoke that was the second what's the worst advice you've ever received um dude i come across morons in this industry all the time but there was one time and this guy sticks out to me he's actually now under investigation for fraud um i'm not gonna name him because this is not the podcast for that but this dude was uh gloating so much about his celebrity circles and i absolutely hate him and it wasn't necessarily advice but it was the fact that he was trying to lure me and tempt me into his schemes based off of his inner circle so yeah anyone that kind of funnels down this like greed mentality absolutely despise what's the best advice you've ever received i was at a my very first pax event and a man um by the uh, online alias um i believe it's uh d rod I'm pulling this one wrong, but it does begin with a D. I'll find it later. He told me that the way I was monetizing my channel was absolutely wrong. My subscription revenue and income needed to become my C and D revenue. And I needed to look at the industry from a different lens that my A revenue should be the sponsors and the big, basically, corp wigs that have the real dollars. And that allowed me to approach the space with a completely different perspective. And we used the analogy that your immediate community, your network, your friends around you, that's your well. You never run your well dry because if you do, you're going to die. Like you, you need water, right? So, um, yeah, I never seek to monetize my anyone around me, and, and it changed my business mentality and my trajectory forever. Well, I appreciate it. I, I, the, the last two, I think, are, are two really solid questions in being able to determine – successful mindsets, including just advice for us. I think we can all glean from each other. Um, one of my uh, mentors always said, uh, the difference between a successful person and a stupid person is a stupid person thinks they have to experience everything to learn. A successful person will hear what other people experienced and learn from them without ever, without ever having to experience it. 
Um, so I appreciate you sharing your insight. <laughs> and all that's left now is just to find out where can we find you? Where can we follow your journey? You said you're on two podcasts. So oh, you, you've got podcasts to, to shout out. You've got <laughs> companies to run. It's been incredible. Yeah. Man, I do so much stuff, guys. If you want to keep up with my my day to day, I try I try to use Twitter as a means to celebrate the W's, but more importantly, really give advice and, and yeah, you'll you'll see. So find me on Twitter, all social handles at Monster Deface. Um, and yeah, if you want to, you know, check out some coffee, that's really what I'm trying to promote right now and and build up so cafe Colazo is uh, a very much authentic and wonderful coffee brand and business that we're working on right now so that's my that's my, my passion project right now it's a lot of fun awesome there will be links uh on the uh, the post uh, with with all of your social media um and being able to go through there so i appreciate the time the advice the conversation was incredible i'd love to do it again in a couple months and see where we're at see how things are going you you have no idea (laughs) (laughs) you know that's the preface that you just said now our next conversation we're going to delve into so much more we're going to get names and receipts and things like that but i appreciate it so much javier Colazo, everyone Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to find me on my socials, you can find me on X, which is formerly known as Twitter, as well as TikTok at Kyle Vaught. That's K-Y-L-E-V as in Victor, A-T-T. And if you want to find me on Instagram or threads, it's at Kyle underscore Vaught, V as in Victor, A-T-T. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you hit that like and subscribe button. I'd really appreciate it. Share this with somebody who uh, may be inspired by the stories told. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, then you can also hit that follow button and share as well. I'd really appreciate it for everybody. I hope that you have a wonderful week and a special Merry Christmas. Remember to give grace, show love, and as always, stay stellar. Peace.